there was something about watching all these categories play out and I paid close attention. I was like, wait, sound mixing, sound mixing gets, a, gets an Oscar, gives a speech. Documentary mm-hmm. short gets an Oscar, gives a speech. Looks like it's the same Oscar that Best Picture gets, the same Oscar that, right. you know, original screenplay gets. And I promise you, and this is no lie, after watching those Oscars, I called, and I already had this idea kind of percolating, but I had never shared it. And I called my manager, Monica, and I was like, Monica, I was like, I think I have an Oscar winning short film idea. And I was like, and I, I was like, if we, oh, no, I think I, I said, I have an idea. And I said, if we do it right, I think we can win an Oscar. This is like tw- 2014, the idea with hair love. Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman is a podcast on directing for anybody that's quite simply ever watched anything. Pete converses with a wide range of fellow directors, writers, actors, showrunners, producers, executives, and more on a journey to determine just what makes a good director and why we'll always need stories. The Director is Pete Chapman's digital studio, built on the pillars of craftsmanship that ensure a unique vision. I'm talking about story, innovation, perspective. Learn more about The Director, and better yet, get your official director's chair wear by visiting www.drctr.video. That's drctr.video. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 22 of Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman. We are going to call this the beginning of season two. It's been a little bit of a break from those uh, tense times in early November, uh, right before Election Day, when we brought you our last episode which was a conversation around the Wednesday morning narrative podcast that I directed, um, starring Kelly McCreary and Coleman Domingo, Spencer Garrett, Blake DeLong, Joy Nash, Louis Ozawa, and a bunch of other talented folks, co-written by Candace Sanchez McFarlane. Uh, It's my podcast, so I will plug my own stuff. Uh, But we're back and excited to dive into season two. Just a little bit of an update Obviously, we have a new president, president. Um, despite what other folks may have thought, the votes did count. And we are looking at uh, we're about into day 60 of this Biden Harris presidency. Uh, the vaccine is getting pumped into people's arms and it looks like there's a little bit of a, of a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, as far as the world getting back to business um, at a higher percentage. I saw today that the CDC announced that kids under a certain age could return to school with a social distancing uh, measure of three feet. So I guess they're slowly getting to the point of peeling back some of those precautionary protocols and, uh, you know, hopefully holidays by the end of the year we'll be sitting around breaking bread with friends and family but uh for myself the past few months have been have been uh busy despite covid uh grateful to be on set and working after the last episode in november i directed episode uh 15 of blackish which will be airing uh next week it's called jack's first stand Uh, Please check that out. Uh, I did an episode of The Unicorn that aired last week, uh, episode 212, called Out With The Old. I directed episode 106 of Blind Spotting for Stars. It's a really dope show coming this summer from uh, Rafael Casal, David Diggs, uh, starring Jasmine Cephas Jones, and uh, it's going to be be dope, y'all. It's really, uh, it's like... It's it's poetic, it's narrative, it's a mixture of movement and, and, and story and poetry in many ways, and very excited for that. Um, and right now, I'm in the middle of, uh, let's see, I'm on day 12 of 20 of a two-episode block of You for Netflix, uh, episode 307 and 308. And in fact, uh, I'll be heading to set the minute I hit Uh, done recording on this intro. But this intro is for a friend of mine, Matthew A. Cherry, an Oscar winner, uh, one that I know personally. How about that? Congrats to that brother. Um, I've had the pleasure of watching his journey over the last decade uh, from the last fall 
to the Oscar to even most recently, he has a deal at Warner Brothers. He's got a feature heist film uh, in the making called The Come Up. Uh, that'll be starring Jermaine Fowler. It was just announced that he'll be doing a pilot, uh, the pilot episode and the second episode for a new show called Kings of Napa from Claws um, showrunner, I'm sorry, Janine Sherman Barois. And uh, basically the brother is working in all aspects of, of, of TV and film. And it's exciting to see and what many of you may or may not know, uh, I don't know, is that he was in the NFL as a wide receiver and he's made that pivot to uh, director of film and TV. So I invite you to join us uh, on this episode with Matthew A. Cherry and there'll be more to come for season two. We really want y'all to kind of, you know, get your questions in here. We're gonna continue our conversations around story, both the craft, the business, the, technique, the psychology, uh, and everything in between. So here we go. Matthew A. Cherry, let's shoot with Pete Chapman. Roll sound. Speed. The interview. Take one. I was going to ask you, man, wh what do you, what do you call yourself? Like when you define yourself in the industry, what is, do you have, are you a multi-hyphen? Are you one word? Like what do you lead with? Man, you know, Definitely lead with directing, and uh, I, I I had to do everything else to get to directing, because, <laughs> you know, I think like a lot of people you find, you know, when you realize that this, that's what you want to do, and you try to find scripts that are out there, you know, a lot of times it's just like, it's a combination of things like the material you don't connect with, people's timing is different than your timing, you know, there's a cool project you want to do, but they want to kind of take their time, and you have a or sense of urgency and so you know I've, i just always define myself like being impatient and wanting to move myself forward as quickly as possible and so uh you know my first narrative really my the first thing i ever wrote in hollywood quote unquote was like music video treatments and um you know i, I can get i can get into it you know long story short you may not even know this story so my second year in la i'm a set pa on heroes and you know, super just wasteful show, man. Like every cast member, two banger trailer, lights and equipment, you know, had four sound stages on the Sunset Gower lot, never used any of them. We're always on location. And what I did was, um, you know, this is the first time I ever saw black directors doing a genre show. Mind you, it's like 08. So this is before the whole diversity boom and right. directing and everything. Who did you so, see? I saw Anthony Hemingway. I saw All Steve right. Mann and I saw Eric Lanaville. And wow. the creator, Tim Kring, he was a huge fan of The Wire. So that's how, you know, Seath and, um, and, and Anthony got involved. And, you know, I, I the year before I PA'd on Girlfriends and I was like, all right, like I expect to see black directors on a black show. Right. But this, you know, especially back then, it was like a huge deal to see, you know, black directors doing a big genre show for Network and Heroes right. was huge at the time. And so seeing these cats that look like me really, you know, like the light bulb hit. And then um, what I did was, I'll tell you my master plan. So <laughs> to, to get my first directing credit, what I did was in college, I majored in a radio TV broadcast. And so I had like an intimate knowledge of like the billboard chart. So I used my little two, $300 every two weeks of PA money. And I spent a whole check on uh, resubscribing to Billboard magazine. YouTube was kind of new at the time. And so uh, with the billboard, I would look and see all the new songs that would chart. And huh. If the song, you know, didn't have a video, I'll go on YouTube and if the song didn't have a video, I would then go on MySpace. I'm dating myself. MySpace nah, was a popular social. Yeah, MySpace was a popular social network at the time. With and Tom, I, um, my man Tom, everybody's yep, first yep, friend. Yep, everybody's <laughs> first friend. And so what I did was I um, would uh, basically um, during my lunches and sometimes, you know, I was the last person to have to like lock up the set and the first person to be there. And, and sometimes in my earliness or lateness, I would uh, knock out a treatment. So I try to do like two or three a day. And what I also did being the last PA hired, I got really cool with all the crew members. And mind you, again, really wasteful show. I was always picking up lights and random equipment. And so I just went to all the department heads and I was like, yo, like, you know, I'm trying to direct my first thing. Like, I noticed we got a lot of equipment laying around. Would y'all be okay if on a weekend, you know, we shoot Monday through Friday, if I 
borrowed, borrowed a little something, you know, to get my own shoe going. And they were all like, yo, it's cool. But just, you know, if you get caught, it's on you, right? <laughs> so I was like, bet. You know, this, this, is my, this, is my, this, this is my film school situation. And so, uh, yeah, the, the first things that I wrote was um, treatments. And what I would do is every lunch, I would um, sit down and, you know, instead of eating, I would basically uh, listen to the song a hundred times, you know, um, transcribe the lyrics. And then I would just like, okay, what's the first thing that comes to my mind? And then I would uh, write blindly to, you know, MySpace, there was no verified accounts. This is like the wild, wild west of social media. And so I would just like make it a point to do this every day. And so my first treatments were like basically MySpace messages and I would be writing them out live as I'm composing the message. And it'd be like some to the effect of like, my name is Matthew Cherry. I know you don't know me from the can of paint, but heard your song. No, she don't have a video. I got access to equipment in LA. If you can get out here, I'll shoot it for you for free. Here's the idea. And I would literally drop like four page Word documents in a MySpace message, Um, you know, with the entire treatment, like, you know, from top to bottom thought out. And ended up doing over 120 of them, you know, over the course of the season. And out of those, how, how often were you shooting? Like that, like, we like would shoot every weekend? No, no, no. So, mind you, I wasn't shooting the videos. These are just the treatments. So, this is me oh, trying to get the job. 120 treatments. Yeah. Got it. So, this, okay. this is me trying to get you. the job. No, no, no. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. I'd probably be further along if that was the case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. So, and then out of the, 120 plus treatments I did two artists responded in the first uh this artist named Terry Dexter mm-hmm. and I ended up directing the video for her for the song called I'm Free and then the second um situation that happened was this uh artist out of Philly uh Kindred the Family Soul this married couple and they were on Hidden Beach and then the second video through Kindred they connected me to like everybody in the Philly circle and so they connected me to uh, Jasmine Sullivan's mom who was her manager at the time and so my third video was just kind of like makeshift short film. Mm. You know, I saw an opportunity. There's a song that everybody was playing, but there was no video. And I was like, all right, I'm going to shoot a short film for the song and just like try to get to a concert and shoot footage. And I'm going to marry the two. Right. And uh, ended up. Now, let me it. ask you, were you shooting? Were you camera? Like, were you DP as well? Were you doing? Yeah. What yeah. jobs were you doing? A little bit of everything, man. Um, you know, depending on the job, like uh, the first couple, I, I was rocking with this cat, Scott Bear, who was a photographer. So he would like DP it. Um, but I would do everything else. Like literally, you know, I'm, I'm like, there's PA days too. So I was eager to move chairs and equipment, you know, just do whatever needed to be done. But yeah, man, pretty much ADing, um, you know, whatever it took, man, getting the lunch, you know, driving the truck, <laughs> you know, doing right. it all. And um that third video for Jasmine in love with another man ended up going viral. And, mm. you know, that was the one that really opened the doors to, uh, and the song ended up being nominated for a Grammy, not the video, but the song. And so it just like blew up and that really just like opened the doors. And so like, those were like the first, uh, writing and directing opportunities. And they were, um, and my plan always too was like to shoot. If I never did a video, I wanted to shoot it like a short film. So I even had Dorian in the video, uh, for, um, Bilal the song uh, called uh, Little One that kind of talked about, you know, like the loss of a, you know, loss of a son. And it was kind of a crazy story. I had him and Erica Hubbard in it. So, you know, I just try to make a short film every, you know, use the budget to make a, make a project. I love this, man. So, (laughs) and I, 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 this is probably somewhere around the time that I, that I became aware of you. Like you're one of those cats where I was like, I was thinking before we got on today, I was like, when did I meet dude? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, I literally don't know. I can't like right. put a finger on it, but I know I remember I remember all the music videos. I remember um, watching that transition to short films and then web series yep. and then TV and every Oscars. Yep. Um, but <laughs> let's rewind let's rewind back to um, your I want to kind of jump around a little bit, but I want to ask what being an athlete what like what how did that impact this approach because i imagine there's a great deal of discipline in being a high performing athlete oh, yeah. that that transferred to to entertainment like how did how did you find that that fed into your work ethic here oh man very much so you know uh, <laughs> the crazy thing is you know i played in the nfl for three years and then um you know my fourth year after my first year after retiring I was on set as a production assistant, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Like talk about a, you know, <laughs> a right. wake up call, right? Like, you know, basically you're used to, you go from getting served to uh, being the server. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the big thing I would say is a couple of things, you know, obviously teamwork, you know, knowing that it's not just about you, not just about your, your position. You know, I think that was probably the most humbling of it all is like, you know, when you direct, it's like you're basically directing traffic. You know, it's more like a coach as opposed to a player where, um, you know, you're answering a thousand problems. You're, uh, you know, you have to answer every single question. Why is the shirt red? Why is the car blue? You know, why the walls this color? You know, like you just, everything lies on you. And um, so that was a big one. Just knowing that, you know, being a wide receiver, I can run a perfect route. And if the quarterback gets sacked because the lineman messed up their blocking, I get no pass. And, same thing in filmmaking, you know, perfect take. You gave the actor the perfect direction. Um, they're, they're, they're killing it, but now the shot's out of focus. Now you got to go right. again. Right. So, you know, very similar in that way. And um, I think the other thing, two, two other things, the second one being just setting goals and knowing how to, uh, you know, being very intentional with like milestones and goals and setting them. And, you know, being an athlete, you have to work towards that. Like, you know, I was never like that freakishly gifted dude that like just woke up and went to the club and now I can run a four, four forty. Like I always had to work at it. And, right. you know, even my being at a smaller school in college, like, you know, the reason I, I willed myself into the NFL in a lot of ways of like just training rigorously and right. doing above and beyond to try to, you know, get, get on people's radars. And, you know, I think with film, it's a similar thing. Like you have to have a plan. Like, you know, I, I always really specialize in like, seeing the big picture before it happens and like, all right, this is the goal and being able to sell that to get other people motivated. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a big one. And, um, you know, the last one I think is just having, and it's going to sound crazy, but having this like one in a million mentality, you know, like mm-hmm. knowing how few people, you know, when you're an athlete, you get the speech every level. Only yeah. X amount of y'all are going to get a full scholarship to college. Only X amount of y'all are going to play in high school. You know, only X amount of y'all, out of that group was even going to make it to the league. And so when you make it to that level, you just have this feeling of like anything is possible. And like, you know, whatever y'all are saying can't be done. Like that doesn't apply to me because people have been telling me this my whole life. And, you know, I'm going to figure out a way where you already gave up because you didn't even think about it in the first place. And so, you know, I think those are all like the really big three things that, uh, you know, I never went into Hollywood. I knew it would happen eventually if I could just stick and stay. But I I knew that my time would come, you know. I always went into it with that that idea. And a lot of it was that athlete mentality. And, you know, knowing that you have to work hard for it. I never wanted anything handed to me. I never expected that. You know, I wanted to earn it. And so um, it's just so crazy how <laughs> even like how uh, a lot of things have played out. You know, obviously you get help along the way. And you know, you have to be smart about how you work situations and, you know, great team. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to really uh, be blessed with like three Titan <laughs> mentors, right. I would say, in my life at different facets of my life, you know, Ava DuVernay, um, Barry Jenkins and, and Jordan Peele. And, uh, you know, every, every kind of facet of my career, you know, they they, they helped me kind of get to that next level. And uh, it's been, well, been really cool. Let's sit in that for a little bit because, you know, I was talking with my uh, producer before uh, hopping on. I'm always like, you know, what question do you have? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and and of course, my notes are kind of all over the place here. But uh, he was wondering, like, how you made that transition from PA to director. And you just said there were kind of three people along yeah. this journey. Um who opened the biggest door for you and how did you make that happen? So I guess if we reshape that, like how did you come to have, uh, you know, Ava, Barry, uh, Jordan as people that you could reach out to? (laughs) All three extremely different circumstances. Um, You know, Ava, Ava, Ava was the first person so, you know, growing up in Chicago, I was the popcorn movie guy. Like, I didn't even know what an indie film was until <laughs> I think I saw Have Plenty in, like, you know, in college oh, or something, right? Yeah. Um, that was my first time ever even seeing, like, a lower-budgeted movie like that. Um, you know, I, I thought every, you know, growing up, I was like, a movie, you got to have a million dollars. You know, millions of dollars. Like, there's no right. such thing as, like, doing a, a movie on the low. And um, Ava, when she did I Will Follow that was the first time I ever saw somebody that looked like me 
that I was like actually in close proximity to, mm-hmm. um, you know, do that. You know, I know you have done it, did it, did it prior, you know, with premium and everything, but I, sadly, I, that wasn't on my radar in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've gone to, you know, obviously go back and, you know, rewatch it later, but, um, you know, but basically what happened is I was in Chicago. I had, I was a dude that always put my own PA money into my projects. And so I just did that to a point where like, I couldn't afford to pay rent anymore. So I had to like move back home to Chicago to kind of, you know, replenish my, my reserves basically. Right. And when I was back home, the Chicago International Film Festival was happening and <laughs> I Will Follow was happened to be playing. And I was like, you know, kind of heard about this movie. Ava's, you know, obviously a master, you know, publicist, uh, you know, turned filmmaker and everything. So she definitely knew how to get the word out. I was like, man, let me check this out. And so, you know, I'm in the movie, I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, shit, oh, this is, you know, a day in a life. This is crazy. Right. Q&A, she says the budget, 50000 I was like, what? You could do a movie for 50000 Like, in my mind, my mind is swirling. I'm like, all right, what's another day in a life movie I could do? You know what I'm saying? You right. try to do the right. bad version of some, you try to think of a bad version of other people's ideas. And then I remember, you know, you've been to festivals before, like, line is crazy to, to do the meet and greet after. And this was like the one time I was like, you know what? I have nothing to lose. I'm going to just stay in this line. You know, if it mm-hmm. take me 30 minutes, I'm going to just stay here. And, um, you know, I met her. Um, she probably, you know, probably like everybody else who sold her, you know, probably in her mind sold them a dream. I was like, you know, I, I, I used to live in L.A., you know, I'm about to come back out there. And, uh, you know, I would just love to be a service. You know, I would love to help, you know, in any way you need, you know, to kind of get the project out there. And, um, you know, she got, you know, you know, you could tell when people were like, all right, whatever kid, you know, we'll see. <laughs> and, you know, and, and for me, I was like, all right, this, when I move back, this is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out and I uh, moved back. I did. And, you know, long story short, uh, you know, helped her, you know, when she was trying to work the film online, you know, helped her get her on Twitter, you know, right. um, in, in, in the socials, um, was there the day of the premiere, you know, helping right. to, change people's minds in the theater they're like no don't see Ringo come and see this you know so she was just a huge inspiration and just like an entry point into the world of indie film Mm. um I I would not have known that that was even a viable option and to get love for it in the way that she did you know had I not met Ava um Barry comes in you know if you follow Barry on Twitter he's an avid football fan you know just a huge football fan you know when he's not talking about movies he's probably talking about football and uh, also, you did know, he play in high school? Yeah, he played, okay, in, he high played in high school. He played yeah. in high school. And, um, you know, I think we just connected over football. And, um, you know, Barry was, a, when I was doing my research after connecting with Ava, Barry was like, he just, you know, he was on the cover of Filmmaker Magazine, you know, Medicine for Melancholy, right. you know, like right. he was a big deal in, in that space at the time. And um, the thing that I loved about his movie is that he really, did you know I had heard the style of filmmaking mumblecore, you know, right. where it's kind of like improv quiet movies, you know, day in the life, kind of similar thing that Ava did. And he was kind of like getting the same love that like the Dupla brothers were or Dupla, I forgot mm-hmm. to say last name. And so, and he his his movie premiered at South by Southwest. And so, you know, after I did last, you know, when I was writing last fall, him being an avid football fan, you know, I shot him a couple of drafts, you know, he gave me some feedback. And then, you know, when I submitted to the festival, how you, you sent you sent the drafts via Twitter? <laughs> no, 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 no. How you get no, on the drafts? Point, no, no, no. At this point, you know, this is the email, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so we, we, we connected on Twitter, but you know, end up exchanging info. And then um, you know, long story short, um, you know, when we started when you know, I had South by on my mind, and when we uh submitted, you know, I knew that our movie kind of being a little bit more of like a anti you know quieter romantic comedy right without all the frills and the set pieces and so you know i knew this wasn't like your typical indie um and you know i knew we were going to need help and so you know barry he i reached out to him and i was like yo like your co-sign would mean the world man you know could Mm. you you know reach out to janet pearson you know who's the head of the festival and just kind of you know i don't even know how that played out but (laughs) i remember getting an email probably a, a day before they announced from janet and it was something to the effect of like, you know, I've been going back and forth in my mind, you know, about letting your film into the festival, you know, it's really solid, but it's just, you know, usually not the type of movie that we enter, enter in. And the whole time I'm like, oh man, we didn't get in. This is the rejection letter. 
And at the end of it, she was like, but, you know, I have a good feeling about you and I'm going to trust my gut. And, you know, welcome to the festival, basically. I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's crazy, right? And, you know, and and I know for a fact that Barry played a big hand in that. And, um, and, you know, in being a filmmaker, like when you're in the indie space, like, you know, the festival love is a really important part of the process, Mm -hmm. you know, and to have everything. Yeah, you know, to have a first yeah. joint premiere at a, a major festival like that really just like was much needed validation at the time. And um, right. Barry even moderated one of our Q and A's, which was really dope. You know, before obviously the all the you know all the hoopla you know that that, that surrounds him now, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, he, he he was just that guy that would be at festivals and you know always showing love to up and coming filmmakers. And then. Um, you know, I know I'm taking a lot of time, so I'll, I'll get it to the nah, this is great, man. This is this is what people want to hear. This is what I want to hear. So yeah, this it, is what they're gonna hear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there we go. Um, and so Jordan, the Jordan one was the craziest because you know that one was like probably the most organic one through social media. You know, so mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll tell this part of the journey. You know, you and you know this too, like when you do an indie film, like I've come to learn, like, you know, hopefully this will change, but especially in the early, you know, in the 2000, in the 2010s, it was like, damn, there can only be one, you know, like one year it was Ava, one mm-hmm. year it was, you know, Kugler, one year it was uh, Justin Simeon, one year it was D Reese. And like, if you're not that filmmaker, that's that one, you're basically back to square zero. You know what I'm saying? Right. You, you, you find this money, you figure it out. If you don't get that blessing, like, you're, you're basically back to square zero. And, and that's kind of where I found myself. And, um, you know, had had couple, a couple of like close calls, but, you know, a couple of projects that didn't go for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, was able to kind of scrap up the money to do nine rides, which we shot on iPhones. And luckily that got me an agent. And then, um, you know, the year after that, you know, still, you know, got the agent, but still. And so we're talking 2016, 2017, yep. And so, you know, spring of 2017, Get Out comes out. Oh, man, just the shot heard around the world. Everybody's yeah. talking about it. You know, I think I, you know, I, I'm really good with GIFs and reaction videos. So I like uh-huh. made my point, like feeling after, you know, watching Get Out and it was some funny GIF. And Jordan followed me. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, you, sometimes <laughs> when like big, big people like that follow you, you, you like kind of get in your head about what you should be tweeting. Like, oh, I don't want to say the wrong shit and have them unfollow me, right? Right. And before right. long, I forgot about it because he never interacted with me. Like I, to the uh-huh. point where I forgot he was following me. And, you know, one day out the blue and at the time I was doing like this uh, residency at BuzzFeed um, working in VR, you know, odd jobs to kind of stay afloat to stay in L.A. And so one day out the blue, this is like probably two or three months after Get Out comes out. I get this DM from him. And long story short, he's like, yo, like, you know, Love your voice on social. You know, I want to see if you want to grab lunch sometime. I was like, what? I didn't, what? Wow. This is crazy. And I wow. was like, hell yeah. And what I didn't know was behind the scenes, Jordan's wife, Chelsea Peretti, her brother, Jonah Peretti, created BuzzFeed. <laughs> He's the guy oh, that created BuzzFeed. Wow. So I guess some... Um, so I guess he, you know, he, he, I don't know exactly what happened, but, you know, I'm assuming right. some conversations were had, like, what's up with this dude? Is he a good dude? And I guess right. it came back down, like, yeah, he is. And so, um, you know, basically, long story short, you know, we grabbed lunch. Um, I, I was just, you know, I'm thinking, it was tricky, because, right, because, like, you don't know, you know, normally you're meeting with executives. I, I've never really met with another filmmaker in this way before, so. Right. And it was just announced that he had signed a first look deal with Universal, so I'm thinking, like, all right, he's probably, like, trying to, you know, find, you know, I shot a movie on the iPhone, you know, maybe he wants to try to figure out something in that space, like some found horror thing. So I'm over there, you know, giving, giving him my pitch myself, and, you know, talking, talking about some rough ideas, and then he stops me, he was like, let me tell you about Monkey Paw. You know, this new company I'm putting together kind of post Get Out. And he's like, you know, I want to, you know, all that it is now, you know, I want to do social commentary with genre and, you know, do things that are kind of left of center and the whole thing. And I was like, man, that's amazing. You know, good luck with it. Yo, that's great. <laughs> and he's like, oh man, literally the first time we met, first time ever meeting in person, he's like, nah, man. He's like, I'm telling you this because I think you would be a good fit to work at the company. And I was like, what? I was like, doing what? He's like, you know, being an executive. I was like, you know, I've never been an executive before in my life. And he was like, that's fine. You know, like just looking for a different approach. 
And so, you know, you know what's ill though? What's what? ill though is you've been an executive since you started this shit. You were an executive when you started PA. Like, well, if you think right. about like like the the thought process, and then like like the learning, and then the implementation, and then yep. the studying of just by mm-hmm. just to get them music videos. That's what somebody sits behind a desk at a record label doing. You know what I mean? Like right. that. It's so. Yeah. Now I, I, I got it. That's my takeaway on that. Yeah, no, but, you know, I mean, long story short, not to get, you know, too, too lost in the weeds, um, you know, long story short, it, it came down to this, like, I was like, you know, I would love to do this, but also like, you know, Nine Brides just came out, you know, getting a little heat, not a lot, you know, taking a lot of, you know, I was taking, I was on the general tour, you know, yeah. and, and there were a couple of things that looked like they, they would be close. And um, I just didn't want to like have this momentum. And then like, now I'm looked at as an exec and no longer a filmmaker. And so, you know, one of the dopest things he ever did, you know, with me, a couple of things, but the first one was like, basically, I just told him straight up, I was like, yo, I would love to do this, but I'm also a director, you know, I've, I've put 10 plus years into this, like, you know, I, I want to continue to direct. And, um, you know, one of the things I've always wanted to do ever since I got to LA was to direct TV. And, mm. you know, I was telling him like, yo, you know, if, if ever the opportunity arises where, you know, I can get that finally get that foot in the door, you know, to, to, to direct the television show, you know, if it's something that makes sense kind of within your universe, like I would love, you know, to try to go out for that opportunity. And, you know, he was, he was all good with it. And also like, we kind of worked out this situation where it was like, you know, if you, when I, it was the craziest part is like hair love Kickstarter hit around this time. And so uh-huh. I also had to have like a carve out where, you know, at nights, like I'm basically working on hair love, but my nine to five was working at monkey paw. But you negotiated um, all of this, like, get up with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Basically, it was just like one of those things where, like, if I book a directing job, like, you know, it's kind of a suspend and release kind of situation where, you know, you go off and you do that, you stop getting paid, then you come back. And so, um, you know, just not not a lot of dudes would have done that. You know what I'm saying? Like, most cats would have shut it down off top and, you know, you'd have been asked out. But, you know, he... He, he knew he knew what I was trying to do. And, um, you know, the, the big point I was trying to make is that when that opportunity came up with Last OG, you know, that's how we were able to connect in New York. Um, right. You know, I won't get into all the details, but, um, you know, he, he definitely blessed the situation to, you know, um, it gave me to go ahead, you know, to, to, to be on the approved list to do it. And, you know, I had right. to definitely still convince some people to, you know, why it was a good fit, but uh, ultimately ended up working out. And, I got my first opportunity directing the TV show directly uh, because of right. him. And had I not met him, I probably would still be trying to figure it out, you know? So huh. th- those are it's the so three mentors it, at three different places. That's a beautiful story, man. And it's so crazy because you never know who's watching. And, you yep. know, I, I have a situation, hopefully an announcement by the time this comes out, where like, I just happened to do some pickups with some people and we went through just some kind of tough circumstances in the production of it and we got to know each other and they came back to see if I wanted to hop on a project in an early stage because we walked through that fire together. Yep. And and I almost didn't get that opportunity because of scheduling. So, you right. know what I mean? It's like, and, and you just never know. Never know. This is Barry Alexander Brown and you're listening to Let's shoot with Pete Chapman. Transitions, a director's journey and motivational handbook is Pete Chapman's upcoming book from Michael Weezy Productions. What started in 1993 has been a marathon of persistence and creative pivots, transitioning from indie filmmaker to teaching at NYU's acclaimed film school, to running a production company, to directing television and commercials, and ultimately eyeing a return to the feature films that gave him a start. A mixture of how-to, self-help, and inspiration, this book is for any person targeting a successful career in the creative arts. Transitions, a director's journey and motivational handbook is coming soon. What are you, well, let's talk about hair love because you, you, you raise over 300,000 on Kickstarter for that. Um, right. And, and it feels yeah. like your, you know, your branding, whether deliberate or something you were really working on through your social media presence had a big effect in, in, in awareness for the kind of, 
people on social media and then within the industry to kind of yeah. partner with you? Like, mm-hmm. how did how did all of this come together? Like, what was like the secret cocktail to go <laughs> and make this short film about uh, a father trying to raise his daughter, you know, and do her hair and have these touching moments that we never get to see? Well, you know, I'll tell you kind of a bit of a never told story, you know, behind the hair love situation. So, you know, again, like, I'm glad we set it up with just even talking about the athlete thing, right? You know, the big picture, right? Having a goal and the plan. And so I think this was 2014 or 15. I think it was 2015. You know, this one particular year I'm watching the Oscars, you know, typically just like everybody else, you know, in the shorts and the documentaries and all, you know, sound editing, the sound design. Let me go get it. Let me get the food. You know, I'm at the party. You know, let me come back and for the big stuff. This one particular year, I don't know, like I was just watching the whole thing, you know, and paying close attention. And, you know, I think um, I think a brother won for documentary short that particular year. This was like a couple of years before Kobe won. And then I forgot who won an animated short, but there was something about watching all these categories play out and I paid close attention. I was like, wait, sound mixing, sound mixing gets, a, gets an Oscar, gives a speech. Documentary mm-hmm. short gets an Oscar, gives a speech. Looks like it's the same Oscar that Best Picture gets, the same Oscar that right. you know original screenplay gets. And I promise you, and this is no lie, after watching those Oscars, I called, and I already had this idea kind of percolating, but I had never shared it. And I called my manager, Monica, and I was like, Monica, I was like, I think I have an Oscar winning short film idea. And I was like, and I, I was like, if we, oh, no, I think I, I said, I have an idea. And I said, if we do it right, I think we can win an Oscar. This is like tw- 2014, the That's idea with so. hair love. And so, you know, I think that later that, later that same year, I put a tweet out for being bold, had this Oscar worthy short film idea. I was like, you know, looking for the 3D animator. At the time, we were trying to do it in 3D. And, you know, it was kind of crickets, right? Like, n- nobody really responded. <laughs> and that was just one of those things, like, sometimes in the game, you just follow the momentum, right? So, you know, you you have this idea, three, four months go by, no no real traction, you keep it pushing. And so, I don't know what it was about the summer of 2017. It was between Hair Love and this other project. And you know what happened? I met Vashti Harrison. Not Do, do you know Nisla, uh, who did... Um, um, uh, oh my God, what's the name of it? She did Jen, the indie I'm, Jen. I'm directing an episode of Blind Spotting uh, that she wrote. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So she posted a image for her birthday that Vashti, I guess they're good friends, that Vashti drew of her. And I had never, she, you know, she had the braids and everything. I had never seen hair drawn so realistic than I've ever seen uh, in this drawing. And so I just blindly reached out to her on IG. I was like, yo got this project I'm working on it's called hair love like you know about to do this kickstarter in a month and you know we we need characters you know we we gotta you know I want to oh wow can we connect and and this is like six months before her first book comes out now she's like 30 you know 100 time new york time bestseller but this is like six months before her first book comes out I love this shit man yeah it's crazy reach out to her she was down um, obviously really busy because her first book was about to come out, but she was down. And so, you know, described the dad, gentle giant with locks, little girl, you know, about six, seven years old, big hair. She loves it. Um, and, and the cat. And then obviously the mom, you know, so all of, all of this is hiding in plain sight. And so, you know, I get this artwork and, uh, you know, what I did, the first thing I did was when I got the first image of Zuri, I tweeted it out. I said, project soon come. And right. shit did like 50,000 likes. Wow. You know, I, I know in a big part because of the artwork, right? Right. And right. I was like, all right, this shit is gonna be something else. You know, a lot right. of it was kind of like test market stuff. And you knew it when step. you got when you saw yeah. that, you oh were like, yeah, we got one. When you post the first image and it does fifty thousand likes, like this is now it feels like things go viral a little easier. But back then, like, right. you know, shit, that might have been the biggest tweet I ever did. And before that, um, just to take a quick step back, that year leading up to it. I was getting a lot of signs as to, you know, maybe you should rethink this idea. And like, hmm. I would repost, I was seeing a lot of videos of dads doing their daughter's hair. And every time I would repost it, same thing, 25,000 likes, 30,000, it would just do crazy numbers. And then I would also post moms with the son, with the daughter or the son, you know, 10, 15, 20,000, you know, not, not, not as big, but like, you know, maybe a hundred likes, 200. Right. right. And I think there was something in a light bulb went off. It was like, all right, people, I know dads that do this shit all day, every day. 
And for whatever reason, people are looking at this like this is a unique thing. Like, right. like they're not used to seeing black men in this image. And I was like, all right, if we can kind of harness this, this, this heartfeltness and this love and, you know, and, and this kind of general concept and put a cool story behind it, um, you know, this could be a monster. You know, this could yeah. be a monster. And, you know, like I said, first time tweeting an image, 50,000 plus likes due to Kickstarter. I'll tell you the story about the day we launched the Kickstarter. <laughs> Normally with Kickstarter, you have to work the shit out of the project. I remember my, <laughs> this was my, this was my, it's a full-time job at the keyboard. No, seriously, seriously. This was my third Kickstarter campaign. The first two, like I had to find people I went to grade school with who I ain't talked to in 20 years and I'm sending right. them the link directly. Please donate to the project. You know, typically to raise about 15, 20,000, you need to have about 300, 350 people donate to your campaign. And so I'm just like playing the numbers, 300, 300, you know, let me, let me get this in front of 500 people. So 300 donate. And it was just, we barely made it by the skin of our teeth. But this particular project, I'll never forget. I was on my work to BuzzFeed, on my way to work to BuzzFeed. I launched, I, I hit publish on the Kickstarter. And normally what happens is once you push publish, you still have to send it to somebody or post it online for people to be aware and to donate. Okay. I, I hit publish. I took the train to work because at the time I didn't have a car. Went to BuzzFeed. By the time I sat at my work desk and I pulled up the Kickstarter, it already raised like 5,000. I'm like, what the hell? I didn't even send this to anybody yet. And right. somehow people like found it. And, right. you know, the initial goal was 75,000 with the goal that we were going to always try to raise more. But, you know, with Kickstarter, like, if you don't hit your goal, you don't get anything. And I wanted to right. be conservative with that number. And um, <laughs> we hit 75000 in five days. Wow. Five days. Like, and you have 30 days in, it, at least at that days. time, right? You had a 30-day campaign? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 You, can, you can choose the amount of days. And we picked 30. And um, we hit 75000 in five days. Um, we, hit, we ended up raising 200 and, like, around 284000 over the wow. course of 30 days. And, you know, that's Jordan, amazing. Yeah. It was insane, dude. It was insane. And it was and it also I'll tell this story. The way we ended up getting our book deal was through Kickstarter as well. Monica, my manager Monica, after seeing the image, those first images of Vasti, she was like, oh man, this would be a great picture book. We, we should, we should offer it as a gift and then we'll figure it out. If this is gonna be right. an ebook or whatever, we'll figure it out. We offer a picture book, and then after it goes viral that first week. Uh, editor from Penguin Random House sees the wow. Kickstarter and sees that we're offering a book and she's like, what's the deal with it? And what I didn't know and I found out later is that she had tried to do the deal for Vashti's first book a couple of years ago, wasn't wow. able to get it, but was aware of her work. And so all that stuff like played into the reason why we ended up getting a book deal too. So man. crazy, man. <laughs> That's dope. That's dope. Well, for if there's somehow anybody watching this or re, or listening who failed to see the film, uh, you need to check out Hair Love. It's it's beautifully done, um, oh, so well so that people out here trying to copy the shit will we'll leave that alone. <laughs> um, so <laughs> when what was so you know you are writer director uh, producer editor, executive, um, uh, <laughs> social media influencer. And I think that what, what I, and I, and I, and I'll, I don't know if you claim that, but I'll, I, I say that because you have engagement, like you post shit and people respond. Right. Yep. Um, and so I, I'll, I'll come across other people retweeting you that I don't know but, Oh yeah, that started <laughs> from cherry. Okay. Um, That's funny. <laughs> but like how, what was the hardest thing with all of those various skills? Like, what was the hardest thing to learn when you transitioned into directing episodic television? Ooh, episodic television. Um, man, TV is just like, you know, it's, it's just the politics of it, man. You know, and, and then the not knowing. And I think uh, Hollywood is a very, like, passive aggressive industry <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, off top. And so a lot of times people may have an issue or, you know, want to say something, but they don't. And then, you know, you find out later, you're like, damn, I didn't know it was an issue. <laughs> you know, right. I, I think the big thing in TV is just the politics of it all, you know? And I think th the thing I'm so happy about is that, and, and you never know it at the time. You're like, God, why isn't this happening for me? Like, I've wanted this for like 10 plus years. How come this has not happened? Like, 
I'm, I mean, I'm applying to directors programs, like coming right off the heels of our South by Southwest announcement the first time, trying to apply to like the ABC Director Fellowship and the, and the Sony one and all of them. And like nothing, can't even get an interview. Right. Movie in a major festival, can't even get a damn interview. And I'm like, maybe this just isn't meant for me. And um, the thing I'm so grateful for is, is the fact that it did take so long. So what ends up happening, and you can attest to this, every project, big or small, short film, web series, music video, you're going to come across an issue. You're, you're going to be tested live in the field. Like, okay, yeah. I have five setups and I only have an hour left to shoot. What do you do? <laughs> I have this right. difficult actor who doesn't want, you know, who's, who has an issue with a crew member. What do you do? You basically are getting live tested in every single scenario so that by the time you are put in this game in a real way, it's like, all right, boom, this is just like the situation I dealt with on the little young web series, you know, 15 right. years ago. That's easy. This is how I'm going to play it. So, you know, I think it was delayed for me because I needed all of those lessons. And, you know, now it's like a breeze, you know, like, like it really is a smooth process. And, you know, every issue under the sun i'd already gone through it on my own projects and you know i'm sure you can attest to that as well mm -hmm. yeah do you find like uh you know what's like your the the thing that gives you the most confidence in in tv mm. directing you know like is Man, it, yeah you know I, i've never been you know i've never been like a big technical guy like you know i, I always know generally kind of what i like it to look like but you know the thing i'm most the thing I always look forward to is just like the blocking and mm -hmm. the working with the actors, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, however get, however the sausage gets made, you know, like I'm good either way. Like, you know, I just love that whole process and like figuring out problems. Okay. You have an issue with this, like, all right, you know, let's, let's figure this out. You know, like um, to me, that's like, just, that's when I like turn on, man. That's just like my, my favorite yeah. thing in the world to do is like problem solve and, you know, you get into this game in a minute and, you know, that definitely can be a bit of a burden. But, you know, once you realize that that's just the game, like directing in TV is answering questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's all it is, you know? Yeah. Do you have, uh, I, I ask this question of directors and a lot of times it's like, oh, that's like picking which kid is my favorite. But uh, for whatever reason you might discern, uh, do you have a favorite moment or scene, you know, of which you're mm. most proud? Oh man, a favorite scene. Man, yeah, that, I see why they say that. Um, yeah, that's a hard one, man. Um, I think one I'll say is probably from the first one I did, um, Last OG. You know, there's a scene where Tiffany and Tracy are giving uh, their son Shazad the, the police talk. And, you yeah. know, there's a lot of comedy, but also a lot of realness and drama in there. And I think it was just one of those scenes where it's like, if you land it, you understand what the show is and kind of what this episode is. And, you know, to kind of come out of that victorious, you know, and there was definitely a lot of landmines in it because, you know, everybody has their different approach, actors, producers, writers, but, you know, to, to come out of that situation with a really solid scene was kind of one of those things where like, you know, you go home at the end of that night, you're like, I think I could do this for real. You know, like right. this, this is, right. this, 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 this was fun. Right. What is the difference now? Because coming out of the Oscar win and um, I know you've got uh, the for the show, it's what's the title of the show? Is it Young Love? It's called, yeah, it's called Young Love. Yep. Young Love. And so like now you have a deal with uh, Warner. Like how does that work now as a as a director who's building out a slate? Like what are you finding are the differences there? It's tricky, man. It's tricky, man, because, you know, I love directing and there's nothing I'd rather do. And, um, you know, being in the writer's room is a totally different process. You know, it's, it's very much being in the weeds and figuring out every single element of a show. And I think <laughs> the more I go through it, the more I'm kind of like, you know what, I think, you know, there are a couple of specific examples where I, I, I want to be involved at this level. But other than that, you know, I just want to direct, you know, like like I, I love that part of the game. And so, um, yeah, you have to make a lot of adjustments, man. Like I've had to turn down a lot of gigs just in that, really? you know, this year, this year I'm really trying to uh, build up my own stuff and, you know, get, get some balls going on, on my own and, you know, hopefully get a pilot this year too. Like those are kind of my, my big goals. And, um, but yeah, man, you know, I think the, the cool thing with TV directing and 
I knew this even back when I was PAing was like, man, you know, you, you see these dudes, they be having 40, 50 year careers, man. Like, you know, you, you, you break, you could break in, like you'll always work. And I think that's the thing. It's like, no matter how popping or, or slow development, my own development stuff gets like, there, there's always that to, to come back right. to. And um, that's something I'm really looking forward to. Right. All right. So we turn in the corner here. I have a few questions I'd like to ask everybody. Um, if you had the keys to the castle and could change anything about the business or about hmm. being a director, what would it be? Mm. What would it be? Um, <laughs> more days. There's <laughs> hmm. more uh -huh. time, man. More, more time to do it right. You know, like, there's so many parts of, I think, TV directing where, like, I get there's a part of the clock that's motivating, but there's also a part of the clock that can be very limiting. And, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes you're just, like, is you're basically trying to fit in this already established puzzle. And, you know, I wish in some instances, you know, it was a little bit more freeing in terms of, uh, you know, putting your own flavor on it. Right. What's it like to take a hit in the NFL? The um, luckily I was on the practice squad my rookie year and, uh, <laughs> you know, was bouncing around a lot after that. So, um, you know, I, luckily I didn't have to experience that too much, which is probably why I still have my faculties to, 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 <laughs> to direct now. But, uh, I mean, it ain't fun at any level, man, high school, <laughs> college, you know what I mean? Like I, I've definitely gotten tagged a few times and, you know, sometimes you just got to get back up, man, and not let them know it hurt. <laughs> Like Jim Brown, right? He said he got up slow every time. So you never know if he was actually hurt. Exactly. <laughs> um, what is one film or TV show that directors should watch and why? Hmm, that's a good one. Man, honestly, man, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. And the reason why I say that is just like every show is different, you know, like mm -hmm. you, you almost need to um, <laughs> I almost want to say the show that you're getting ready to direct. Uh, <laughs> watch watch old episodes of that just because like just because they're doing it on one show doesn't necessarily mean you can do it on this one. Right. Um, but, you know, I do think it's important, though, to watch TV just like to be a fan of TV, too, and to kind of see what everybody else is doing, like. That's how you pick up really cool tricks <laughs> by, you right. know, watching what everybody, watching what other people are doing too. So yeah, I don't have a def definitive answer for you on that one. Gotcha. And here's the final two. Um, I'm interviewing Nicole Bahari uh, in a few days. Hey. Any, any question I should ask her that'll stump her? That'll, that'll uh, stump her? Ooh, that, that'll catch her off guard? <laughs> oh man. I, yeah, I don't or know that, about you know, that. Or that you want to know? You know what? I, I don't, you know, luckily, like I, I've remained friends with her and, um, you know, I, I feel like I do know a lot about her. Um, you know, I think the only thing I want to say about Nicole is, man, I just think she's the most talented, <laughs> like, like, man, yeah. just even, even hearing her name is just like, wow. Like, and just talk about somebody who has gotten like a bit of a raw deal in the game. You know what I'm saying? Just mm. like, somebody who should always work and always be on the show, you know, if, if, mm -hmm. if she very chooses that, that fate. Um, I don't know, man. I just, uh, let me think, let me think, let me think that was, I'm per, uh, ah, nah, that would be inappropriate. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, bring, I'll, I'll bring it up on the <laughs> offline, offline. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. well, the last one is, um, who should be our next guest? We talk to actors, directors. I'm about to bring in some executives because I think that's another part of the game that a lot of folks oh, yeah. are kind of in the dark about. But um, yeah, anybody you think? Oh man, um, man, you know, really any any of the three, you know, kind of quasi mentor figures that I mentioned for sure. You know, mm -hmm. um, also just uh, oh man. Let me think. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that. I think also, um, I think you should start getting into some animation as well. You know, like, like I think Oof, I think that's yeah. I think that's a medium that uh, you know me having come from live action, you know, definitely was something that I was really afraid of. Like, damn, like I can't even draw like that. So how the hell am I gonna you know direct animation? 
And you right. know, at the end of the day, it's still a story, you know, and if you're with the right people and the right crew and studio, like they'll surround you with people that do that and do it well. You just have to be right. very good at articulating your vision. And, um, you know, look, look what ended up happening with Hair Love, you know, would not have been able to do that project without Bruce Smith, Everett Downing, you know, Karen Tolliver, um, you know, so many great people that just do this every day, all day, Frank Abney, Peter Ramsey. Um, you know what? I, I would, Peter, I would say Peter Ramsey and Frank Abney, and I'll say them both in that Peter's getting ready to shoot his first live action film. Okay. So I think I think that would be a good one for you. And then Frank Abney, um, just I know he's getting ready to start his Oscar uh, run uh, for, for Canvas. So, uh, you know, I think those are two really good ones for you that'll hopefully Dope. open up the animation game to you as well. Word. Well, I'll, I got it all written down, brother. Um, I can't oh, tell wait, you. Wait, oh, yes. Kim Powers. Kim Powers. Kim Powers too. Yep. Oh, word. Uh, and because he wrote um, Soul, correct? Yep. Soul. One night and Miami. Yep. and One Night in Miami, which was dope. Um, yeah. I totally as 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 you do on Twitter, I totally agree with your with your review of the film. <laughs> yeah, um, man. Really well done. You just don't see like black men depicted in that way in film. Like it was it was really cool to see like the love and also the accountability. You know. Right. Right. Yeah, man, no doubt, no doubt. Um, well, look, man, I can't, I can't thank you enough. It's been super dope watching the journey. It's been a pleasure um, just kind of seeing you on shows before and after and being able to get the scoop from you, but most importantly to watch yeah. uh, all the projects you're making, man. And just, um, you know, I watched Forward again, your short film that you did, The Black oh, and White Joint. I watched that again today just to see what you were, you, feel what you were doing back in, what was that, 2010, 2012, maybe? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I love that the, you've never stopped telling stories, never stopped trying to push the envelope and do it creatively. Um, and all while trying to figure out how to make it in this game, because this is a, at the end of the day, that it's, it's show business and we got to figure out how to get on the court, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. So. No, man. I mean, the crazy thing about forward and music videos is like, they're all silent. So it's like trying to tell a story without dialogue, you know, like all that really folded in nicely into hair love, you know? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> it all leads to the same thing, man. Yeah, well, man. Um, that's the deal. Um, appreciate you, man. And no doubt, you too. I see you on set, I'm sure. Oh yeah, you already know, man. Look, you know, when, whenever I get these other shows going, please know that I'm going to be hitting you to do some pilots and and, and, and whatnot. Well, please call, because I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. All right, man. Say what's up to wifey. Will do. You already know. What's up, people? This is Pete Chapman. Follow me on Instagram and on Twitter via at Pete Chapman. Follow the pod on Facebook on our Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman official page and hit up our mailbag with questions, suggestions, or hey, donations if you're feeling like it via Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman at gmail.com. And just in case you need to know how to spell it, that's Pete with the last name C-H-A-T-M-O-N. All right, that was episode 22, people, with Mr. Matthew A. Cherry. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I want to make a little exit point here. Um, we recorded that in late January, early February, uh, and listening back to it, re recording this intro today on Saturday, the 20th of March, I had to uh, remark and appreciate on the fact that he mentioned getting a pilot was one of his goals. And as I outlined in the beginning of this intro for the episode, uh, he has the pilot episode and I think episode two of Kings of Napa about a black wine family in Napa Valley from Janine Sherman Bois uh, as a showrunner from Claws uh, as her most recent project. And uh, it's just beautiful to look at these things come to fruition. So. Uh, I think the takeaway from our combo is really look at what putting your head down, doing the work and taking advantage of all the available platforms um, can get you while also being a good dude. Because a lot of that comes back to people clearly 
um, enjoying their time with Matthew and, and finding that uh, not only is he a, a creative person, but somebody you want to be around on set. So consider that. And with that, I'll let you know that next week on episode 23, we will have the lovely and talented Zynga Stewart. Um, she most recently directed a couple episodes of Little Fires Everywhere. She's got a new project with uh, Zoe Saldana and Hello Sunshine, Reese Witherspoon's company, um, that we'll chat about. And uh, she's just a really super talented person that I've known from my days in New York, from her days doing music videos. And I think you'll enjoy what she'll have to share about the journey to being a director, a pilot director, a producer, a feature film director. Um, she's all things. And I had the pleasure of shadowing her back in 2017 on Grey's Anatomy episode 1320, where I met my wife. So tune in next week. And uh, in the meantime, stay safe, spread love, and create. That's what we're going to do.